He's not the brightest guy in the room, but he is the cheapest. I love lamp. I love lamp. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. We're going to get to why Phil Kessel is the everyman coming up in a couple of minutes. I'll also tell you why the Penguins now actually have leverage when it comes to the third-line center conversation. Brian Metzer joining us in 19 minutes on the Crowley Show, but I'm calling an audible. Because during the break, I found out that our friend, the official Katie of the Crowley Show, has a date on Thursday. She met a nice man at a coffee shop. This man's the barista. He put a little heart ski in her cream, her foam, her beverage, I should say. So she gave him his number. Her number. I'm sorry. I'm frazzled. I'm excited just talking about the prospect of true love. Well, it turns out this guy is not only a barista, but he's in a band. Because of course he is. Because that's the most cliched thing ever. Barista in a band. My sister, she works at Bonefish Grill. She's also an actress. It's how it works. My sister's going to make it one day. Now we are going to find out whether this guy will make it or not. And we have some of his music. We're going to play it right now. Because I am interested to find out whether this man, Nick is his name, is good enough for you. I'm nervous. I'm nervous, too. You've never heard his music yet, have you? I don't know if I want to. If you hear it and it's terrible, will that change your opinion of him? I'm going to say no on the air. Because he's not that hot. I mean, he's kind of hot. Excuse me. He's no Tom. Personality counts, you know. Does it? It does. It has to. It's a good 40%. Are you guys ready? Oh, we're ready, Daddy. Now he's the lead singer. So if he sucks, we'll know quickly. Mumford and Sons things going on. I know, I kind of dig it. I kind of dig it too. This is not bad. It's not bad. I'm upset. It would have been a lot funnier if it was bad. And they play a banjo? Like, who plays a banjo? Oh my god, this guy bleeps, man. Be careful, Katie. Now, what I heard is that he left the lid off so he could draw you the heart. Let me clarify the situation. So, he made said heart, right? And I heard... His coworkers say no. Don't don't put the lid on. Show show her. Katie, it's 2018 now. It okay. Is. Yeah, I know. I know what year. You know what year it is. I do. Okay. Well, we now know, we know the risks that come with not having a lid on. That's all I gotta say. This guy doesn't like lids. Be careful now. Sometimes I like two lids. Not bad. I could drink some Guinness to this. In fact, now you have to marry him. We can have him come in, do Studio X takeovers. You're all invited. We're all invited. I want to be best man. I have to befriend so, this Nick. So it shall be. All right, turn him off. It's pretty good. What do you think, Tom? Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty I know good. how to pick him. 412 
922-2874. The official Katie of the Crowley Show will be having her heart broken at some point by this young gentleman. My friend texted me and said that was crap. Crap! So apparently not for everyone. Are you going out on Valentine's Day? Oh, that's a hard no. Oh, but it's the day after. Yeah, it's better than the day before. Is it? I don't know. I know this guy's type. I saw a picture of him. He's going to be warming the bed of someone else tonight and tomorrow, and he's hoping to strike it rich with you, Katie, and it's not going to happen. It's a classic musician. Yes. Nah, he looks he looks like a regular guy. He he looks like me if I were better looking and could play the guitar and sing. What is with the musician thing with ladies? I don't know. This that's a separate that's a separate day, Adam. What? That's a, that's a can of worms. You don't want to Oh, okay. Oh, that would be an entire show. It's your last hour, yeah. yeah. I feel like guys with bad cars can't pick up women. But if you have a bad car and you're a musician, it makes the, the car whole, not the bad anymore. Package, it's yeah. the whole thing. Oh, it's that's part of the look. Oh, boy. Part of the aesthetic. Oh, boy. I remember we went to the Strut show. Oh, God. And every one of them became dreamy to my wife. Well, it's because they, they, they are. are they, would they be dreamy if they were just walking around wearing a penguin sweatshirt and a West Virginia hat? Probably not. The bassist would. Yeah, the bassist was hot. 412-922-2874. I got some numbers from Jesse Marshall. As I don't want to make Katie any more uncomfortable. I'm going on their date with them. I gotta talk to this guy. Jesse Marshall from The Athletic tweeted out yesterday that Riley Shane's numbers have compared not just favorably to Nick Bonino's, but he's got better numbers across the board in a lot of the advanced metrics. Riley Shane averages 1.8 points per 60. Bonino, 1.44. In terms of shot suppression, Shane's only given up 55.9 shot attempts against per 60. Benino, 60.23. 26.2 scoring chances against per 60. 27.8 scoring chances against for Nick Benino. And the possession numbers, much better for Shane. 49.67 as compared to Benino's 46.3%. The Penguins have been looking for a third-line center. And they've got one who's playing better than the third-line center they had last year right now. That's not to say the Penguins don't need to go out and get someone who's better. That's not saying the Penguins can't go out and get someone who's better. But now other teams that have pivots that the Penguins could be coveting, they can't just ask for King's ransom knowing the Penguins have to pay the price. All off-season long, I'm guessing that... Jim Rutherford balked at a lot of these offers that were being made to him because he didn't want to give up what was being asked. Well, now he doesn't need to in a deal. Now Jim Rutherford can say, we'd love to have another center, but we don't necessarily need one. And they can go out and they can get a Matt Cullen or Mark Letestu who could play on their fourth line and not be costly in terms of player capital or in money. For the first time, I feel good about where the Penguins lie in terms of acquiring another center. They don't have to. They want to. Whereas before, they needed to and wanted to all the same. 
412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I think that the best case scenario would be a guy like Derek Broussard. But here's the thing about Broussard. He costs a lot of money. He's under contract. Because the Penguins need to sign Patrick Hornquist, in my estimation, and would like to make a little bit of a run at Ian Cole, even though that's probably a pipe dream, they don't want contracts that are on the books moving forward. I don't think. So Broussard's probably out. And you'd have to trade a rostered player. I don't think you really want to do that either. I think you want to keep the core intact and just supplement it. So for me, what I'd kind of like to see is you go out and you get a guy like Grabner and you bring in Cullen or Latestu and put him on your fourth line. And if Shane has Grabner and Kessel to work with, guess what? Feeling pretty good about that. Because Shane, his numbers would increase. He's shown that he's not a guy who's averse to playing well offensively, as the goal yesterday showed. The guy's got mitts. The guy thinks the game well, and the guy's pretty good defensively, which you have to be at that center position, and you definitely have to be playing with Grabner and Kessel. That gives the Penguins a complete third line. You have Haglin with Malkin and Hornquist. And then on your top line, you've got Crosby and Gensel. And you're probably still figuring out who best fits there. But ideal world, with that lineup, you're going with the kids. Sitting the kids. Gensel and Sherry and Crosby. Malkin. Haglin. And Hornquist. And, and what the hell's his name? Riley Sheehan. Along with Grabner and Kessel. Brian Russ then moves down to the fourth line. Oh! Mm. Let's pretend like you've got Matt Cullen. And then what do you want to do with the other spot? But if Rust and Cullen are the two centerpieces of your fourth line, you're feeling pretty good. And those top, that top nine, damn good. Imagine having to defend the Penguins when they throw guys like Grabner and Haglin and Rust and Kessel, all that speed at you, maybe really damn hard to defend. The Penguins last year didn't have the speed that they had two years ago. It wasn't as evident. Now, part of that's the league catching up. Part of it's the Penguins just not being as quick. Two years ago, the Penguins were the fastest team in the National Hockey League, and it was evident every time they took the ice. You put Grabner on this team with... The fleet of foot players they already have, Kessel and Sherry and Haglin and Rust. Penguins have their identity back. They've balanced their lineup. And they've done so without having to subtract. So if you need a guy like Sprong to phase into the lineup, you can use him. If you need a guy like Simone, he might be who's on your fourth line. You could phase him in. If you need a guy like Aston Reese, you could face him in. That would give the Penguins legitimate depth, and it wouldn't cost them really anything, and they'd get two players who'd fit that roster. Now, when I say it wouldn't cost them anything, the Rangers are reportedly asking for a first-round pick for Grabner, but, okay, give him a first-round pick. 
Cap goes up to $80 million next year. Penguins will go out and they'll sign who they need to sign. Or Sprong and Asterisk will really flex their way into the lineup. Your thoughts on that? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I am really rooting for Phil Kessel to win the scoring title. I mentioned this earlier on in the show. Phil Kessel reminds me of me before I lost the weight. That's the thing about Phil. He's a regular guy. He's likable, and he's got his ass kicked wherever he's been. In Boston, they were jagoffs. In Toronto, they were jagoffs. Here in Pittsburgh, he's been successful, but he's still all the got all the quirks that he used to have. That's why I'm rooting for quirky Phil to win the scoring title. Although I do think Malkin and Crosby have a better chance to win it. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Up next, we'll ask Brian Metzer what he thinks. About all that penguin stuff. Maybe I'll ask him about Katie's new boo, too. Boo, too. It's the Crowley Show. This tweet from Albie Auction Writer. Sidney Crosby says, quote, I've been watching since opening ceremonies. As a Canadian, you're pulling for all the Canadian athletes. It's a great, it's a great event. The whole... Experience was awesome. The couple times I got to experience it, end quote. I understand why Sid wants to be there. I understand why National Hockey League players want to be there. But I also get why Gary Bettman doesn't want them to go. It doesn't make any sense. There's no tangible benefit to sending National Hockey League players overseas to get hurt. When you're not paying them to be out there. I feel like I'd get hurt doing a number of Olympic activities. I think the ski jump, I'd be dead probably. I think that speed skating, I'd probably wind up slicing my jugular. And I'm not that flexible. I'd probably cut one of my wrists. Could see myself injuring myself on the moguls. Could see myself getting hurt, maybe dying, my heart exploding, doing the cross country skiing. My God, does that look like it sucks. But I think I could be a curler. I think I can make that happen. Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network joins me now on the show. Metz, you think you could be a good curler? I think curling should be part of the Bar Olympics because it's so similar to shuffleboard in my mind that if you were a good shuffleboard player, you should be able to take to that game pretty quickly, I would think. I know the stones that they use in curling are a lot heavier than the puck you use in a shuffleboard game, but at the same time, Boy, I used to throw a mean shuffleboard game. So I think I could give it a go eventually with a little bit of practice. Damn right. Tom was shaking his head in the other room. He didn't think he could do it. But you and me, Mets, four years. What are they doing it in four years? Beijing? We're going to kick some ass. Mets, the Penguins have won now, uh, have been playing good hockey, pardon me, uh, for the better part of 2018. And they took three out of four points this weekend. We've gone back and forth about why they've been able to do that. It really begins and ends with the Stars. Is that enough? If just the Stars produce the way that they've been producing for the Penguins to have a chance to win their third straight Stanley Cup? Well, I I think if you get the uh, timely scoring from guys like Brian Rust and a few others that have chipped in with those Stars, you'd be in pretty good shape to to make that a reality. Now, that said, the Stars will have to continue to produce if you're going to play it that way. Without a solid uh, base of secondary scoring, you've got to rely or you've got to rely on Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Phil Kessel. Now, they've made it a reality since probably going all the way back into December that those guys have been finding 
ways to generate points, specifically uh, Gino and Phil Kessel. And now Sidney Crosby's definitely been on board over the last, you know, 15, 20 games here too. So that that's a great formula, but I still think they could use maybe one extra piece to add to that secondary scoring to just help it all along. I also like that manufactured balance. I know we talked about that a couple weeks ago, the way that Mike Sullivan's been able to separate some of those players onto different lines. That's given him a pretty nice look, and Riley Shea and chipping in has definitely helped the cause as well. Brian, the Penguins do need depth, as you alluded to. Do you think that they go for a third-line center or a fourth-line center, given the way that Riley Shea has played over the last handful of games? Yeah, I think you could definitely make a case at maybe just trying to acquire a guy to be that fourth-line option now because I don't know, and you may or may not agree with me here, I don't know that since Carter Rowney has come back into the lineup that he's looked even what he was last year or earlier this yeah. season. He's not quite been himself, and I don't know that that's a great dynamic on your fourth line. So if Jim Rutherford can pay a little less to go out and get himself a, a fourth-line option, be that, uh, I don't know, we keep hearing now names like Mark Letestu and Thomas Placanitz out of Montreal. So, and Placanitz is probably even a little bit more of a third-line option. But if you can get somebody like that on the cheap that doesn't cost you what a Derek Broussard or one of these other big sexy names that's been thrown around would cost, I could see him doing that, and I think they would be pretty well served to make that a reality. Now that said, how great would they look if they go out and find themselves a another third-line option, and then you can push Riley Shane into a fourth-line role and have some version of that third line that they're playing with right now be the fourth line, boy, that makes you lick your chops, does it not? Yeah, it absolutely does. And that's the ideal option for me. But you know what I had been thinking about, and I brought this up on Madden's show on Friday when I filled in. I love the way Grabner plays. And he is as fast as it gets in the National Hockey League. I know seven of his goals have come via the empty net, which is just insane to me. But he's cheap. He's a rental player. So he his contract would come off the books at the end of the year, and the Penguins could still have money to go out and re-sign a guy like Patrick Hornquist if they don't get that done over the course of the season. You could bring him in on the cheap, I think. And you could... Add a guy like Matt Cullen or Mark Letestu to that fourth line, and that way you've created depth. You help Riley Shane as your third-line center, and you do have a better fourth-line center. You know, woe is me for not mentioning Matt Cullen. I feel bad when I was throwing out those names, and thanks for bringing it up because uh, I think that's going to be a, an option they're going to consider. But I really like your idea with Michael Grabner. I've long been a, a fan of his game since he came into the league. As a matter of fact, and I know you know that uh, I, I do some fantasy hockey playing, and I know that's absurd to bring up on a, a talk radio show. It is I absolutely drafted, not. I drafted Michael Grabner in my dynasty league as a rookie coming in from in his draft year, and I've, I've long loved his game as fast as, as can be. He has great offensive instincts, and you know what? You, you mentioned the empty net goals that he scored. To me, I look at how many empty nets the Penguins leave empty. They, they don't find ways to score into. And if you have a speedy guy like Michael Grabner, maybe they would ice games a little bit better. Empty net goals are important to finish off opponents, not in the playoffs per se, but down the stretch when you're trying to earn points and keep teams from coming back. Can you imagine a Penguins team with Michael Grabner, Carl Haglin, and Brian Rust? You could deploy all three guys either in an overtime scenario, I don't know who would take the face off, or you could put all three guys out there to kill a penalty, getting shorthanded opportunities. I think that would make the Penguins very dangerous to have that kind of speed dynamic added into what they already have. And having him 
on a third or fourth line, uh, a role on this team would really give them a, a special look in those bottom six players. And I've always liked them, as I just said. I think that's an interesting get. The only problem is, based on his great contract situation, the Rangers are trying to get a first-round draft pick for him. Now, I know if you win the Stanley Cup, that's going to be a number 30, 31. So who really cares? But at the, at the same time, you hate to give up a first-round pick for Michael Grabner. But I sound like a fool because they gave up a first-round pick for Ryan Reeves. And if I was going to do it, I'd rather do it for Michael Grabner. Oh, there's no doubt about that in my mind. And I realize it's probably a pipe dream. And the Rangers are in the Penguins division. Whether or not that would preclude them from doing something like that, I'm not sure. But... Man, it makes me salivate with Haglin and Kessel and Rust and Ben Grabner, the way that all those guys could skate. It'd be like the Penguins from a couple of years ago with all the speed they'd be able to have. Brian Metzger joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Metz, anybody that's untouchable for you uh, when it comes to the Penguins uh, moving out of contract? I think right now, I mean... Yeah, I think right now you have to look at the big guys as, as guys that won't be moved or that shouldn't be moved and would be untouchables. But above and beyond Sid, Gino, Phil Kessel, and maybe Matt Murray, I don't really – and probably Chris Letang is in that mix. I know his name's come up in rumors and speculation, but they're not going to trade Chris Letang. Those guys are probably the core at this moment, and anybody else in the right deal probably could be had. Now, I, I feel like I wouldn't want to move Brian Russ just because he seems to be so valuable. No matter where you play him, he's able to make something happen, be that in a top-line situation, be that in a bottom six. He was great on the fourth line. He's great next to Sidney Crosby. So maybe he's in that conversation. But right there, after that group, I'd move anybody else to get a deal done right now if it means winning another Stanley Cup, and that's what this team seems to have in its mind. They want to go for the three-peat. They want to uh, you go, go cup or bust. And, and when you're doing that and you're playing that way, you don't worry too much about next year or the year after. You start moving assets to get that done. And I think that means maybe a goaltender from the, uh, the depth chart is in play. Maybe Gensel's in play. Maybe Sherry's in, pl- in play. I don't know that. That's not anything I've heard. I just feel like Jim Rutherford would do it if it meant making a strong and solid push at cup number three this season. Jake Gensel has... Not been playing great. He was moved down to the fourth line. Dominic Simone back on up to the top line. It seems as though Connor Sherry, well, he's back now from injury, and he's been playing okay. How do you view those two uh, moving forward? Not in terms of a trade, but just the way that they've been playing. Because Jake Gentle's a really good player, but he seems to have hit a little bit of a rut, would you say? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, when you look at those guys uh, coming into the season, I think we all agreed that of the two, Connor Sherry would be the expendable one, that he would be the guy that you could throw into your bottom six or maybe even use as a trade component. But right now, uh, he, he just seems to have that, that flexibility that the Penguins love. They, they would love players that you can play in skill positions and also just as easily slide into a role-playing uh, spot in a third- or fourth-line role. And Sherry seems to be able to do that a little bit better right now. And maybe that's just experience. Maybe that's been uh, being around the NHL a little bit longer than Jake Gensel. But Gensel, the way he wowed us all last year and through the playoffs and even during the preseason, I was expecting 30 goals from him this year. And maybe that was yep. a bit uh, mind-blowing or you know out of, uh, out of the question based on him being just a second-year guy. But I-, I thought that the skill was there, and he's not really developed the way that we thought. Now, maybe they stunted him a little bit, trying to pigeonhole him into, that, into the center position that they were using him in. And, it seems like he thrives a little bit more on the wing, but he's not really getting it done now. So I, I think that if I was going to look at one of those two players that has a brighter future this season alone, even if it means staying in the lineup, it's 
probably Connor Sherry because that's what Mike Sullivan's actions have pointed to. And right now, Jake Gensel's sort of relegated to being a fourth-line player. So maybe of the two, Sherry has that brighter future moving forward this season. Matt Murray seems to have regained his cup-caliber form, yes? Boy, he was great yesterday, I He thought. really uh, was. Some of the saves he made on Vlad Tarasenko and Braden Shen had a great look in front. I mean, he... The one thing, and I talked about this in the Penguins postgame show the other night, that stood out to me, and, and it's when I saw him let in a couple of those screen goals against the Dallas Stars on Friday night. That was the one part of his game that seemed a little slow to come back after he missed time due to the death of his father, just catch, catching pucks and finding pucks through traffic. Because something that he's always been very good at was identifying a shot through legs, and he could get down squat for being a big guy. He would get down, he'd crouch, he'd look through traffic, and he'd still be able to make those saves. It seemed like he was having a little bit of trouble tracking those shots. And if you look at the Dan Hamu uh, goal on Friday, it was Sidney Crosby, Carter Rowney, Justin Schultz, and a Stars player all right in front of Matt Murray, and he lost sight of it, and it beat him short side over the blocker. He, he seemed to, to, to lock in and find those shots on Sunday against the Blues. So now if that is back in full, which I think it may have happened that quick just in, in one more game of live action, I think you can say he's back into cup form. He's really played solid over his last, you know, six starts or so here. So that has me believing that Matt Murray could be ready for just, you know, to be the number one guy again. He's shaken off any rust that may have lingered from that time away from the team, and we have no reason to doubt him. I mean, he's a two-time cup winner, essentially still by all rights a rookie in the National Hockey League, and at 23 years old, how amazing is that? I'm pretty pretty confident to say he looks like he's he's ready to just help this team go as far as they're you know going to go again this season. Brian Metro Penguins Radio Network joining me here on the Crowley Show. A few more minutes with him. Brian, is Sidney Crosby going to score some goals now? Uh, finally, scores 400. And it always seems like once you get a couple, once you get one, they start falling. And I would assume that that's going to happen for Crosby. He's had some bad luck with the shooting percentage. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think you and I talked about it, you know, in one of uh, the past couple appearances we did together here. I, I just felt like once he got 400, the floodgates would open a little bit. By his own admission, he's called himself a, a, streaky, a streaky goal scorer, and, and that's been the case. And it's not always streaky in that he goes, you know, 10 games without a goal like he did this time. It's sometimes, in his view, as a guy that's so skilled, maybe three games without a goal and then three games with is streaky. And that's true. He's done that over the course of his career. Now you look at it, he got his just his third two-goal game of the season yesterday, believe it or not. I thought that was a little bit eyebrow-raising. He had one in October. He hadn't had one since November 25th against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and now he gets it done in that game against the Blues. I know one was an empty netter, but he threw it into that net with authority. And I think just getting that 400th out of the way, he's going to feel confident about his game. You're going to see Sid start to shoot again because the one thing that when Sid doesn't score and he goes through those sustained droughts, that he, he starts to do it too much is overpass. And I felt he was starting to do that. He was sort of looking off scoring opportunities. And that's not to say he was not shooting the puck because he had a couple games where he had six shots and four and five shots. But he was passing up on some of those opportunities. I think you'll see him now put pucks back on net from that danger area right in the high slot, in and around the goaltenders, right between the faceoff dots. And he's going to start scoring a lot of goals again here. And that 400 went a long way into making that a reality. And Sidney Crosby's going to probably jump even further into that scoring race because of it. Brian, the Penguins' defense core coming into the year left a lot to be desired. And there was still, of course, some uncertainty when it comes to Chris Letang. Now, that six that they roll out there, that's their best six. And I have a lot of faith that that could get the job done. They've got a good defense core in my mind now. 
Yeah, they, they're they're very solid. I think they can be successful with them. I think you just got to get them to just play a simplified game because when they they overthink or they start to do things that are maybe above and beyond their pay grade, that's when they get burned. If you simple, if you dumb it down for Ian Cole, he's awesome. Dumb it down for Chris Letang, he's awesome. That play he made yesterday, I was kind of disappointed. He tried to pinch, got a puck chip past him, and it created the two-on-one that resulted in the Brodziak goal. If he is maybe even just a little more fleet of foot there, which we know he is, he should have just attacked with authority, and he would have disrupted what the Blues player was doing in that situation when he chipped it by him. But he sort of slowed up and he hesitated, making the decision of what he really wanted to do on that pinch, and that got him beat, and that is something he's done a little too much this season. He's just got to play within himself, thumb it down, play simple hockey. He's going to be fine, and I think that goes for the group of six. The only pair that's been my concern, and I'm curious for your thoughts, the Mata-Schultz pairing looks like it can be beaten if they are put against certain lines that have a lot of skill. And that's no knock on either player individually, but together for some reason. I'm not overly thrilled with that. And at some point, I still think you're going to see Ian Cole go back with Justin Schultz, yep. Dumo with Chris Letang, which would maybe make it a Mata-Oleksiak pairing. And maybe that might work, and I'd like to see that experiment happen before the playoffs. Couldn't agree more, and I'm guessing we'll get to that at some point because... That's just the way it goes. Things are still moving here, uh, as there's a lot of time left still, even, in the regular season. Uh, Mets, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks a lot, buddy. No problem. I always enjoy the chats, my friends. and or my friend. And you know what? You, you said you wanted to make it more regular, and we're doing that, so thank you for that. It's great. We are. Checks in the mail, buddy. <laughs> Take care. Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network, coming up next. The hottest take of the day and other crap. We're wrapping up this Monday on The Crowley Show. Days like today suck. You wake up, you look outside, it's all sunny. You think, hey, spring's right around the corner. And then you have to shovel your damn driveway because you got three inches last night. Three inches of snow. 412-922-2874. Last chance to get in on the Crowley Show. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Penguins play tomorrow. Be live at the Terrace on 5th. Jason Mackey. Confirmed guest. He'll be on from 5 o'clock until 6. Full hour of the Mac Daddy. It's a full hour of Maction, baby. It's going to be damn good. His 20 things come out at 9 a.m. tomorrow or by 9 a.m. tomorrow if you're itching for some trade deadline talk. That'll pretty much set what we're going to be talking about tomorrow from 5 o'clock until 6. It is time on this Monday. For the hottest take of the day. Ready, Joe? <laughs> it's time for the hottest take of the day. <laughs> day, day, day. <laughs> Lane Johnson of the Philadelphia Eagles says that when it comes to the Patriots, he'd rather win one championship playing for the Eagles, having fun, than win five playing for the New England Patriots because he says they don't have fun. He says they're an organization that's based on fear. Now, he might be right that it's an organization based on fear, but this just in, winning is fun. I'd rather win five times than one time. 
I'd rather my team in college football win 10 games as, a, as opposed to 8. I'd rather win 9 games as opposed to 7. Because every time you win, you've had fun that day. In the New England Patriots winning 14 games, 13 games, 12 games every damn season, yeah, you might have to put in some work during the week. Still fun. And it leads to more winning. Philadelphia Eagles might never win another one, and I'm guessing Lane Johnson hopes he gets that feeling back again. If they had lost to the Patriots, he wouldn't be talking about fun right now because the fun would have been over. I said prior to the Super Bowl I wasn't rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles because they're a bunch of dinks. They all say they're having fun, and they are. But they're rubbing everyone's noses in the fact that they're champions. That's the way you want your team to handle it. And that's the way I want sports to be. Fun. Rubbing the noses of your enemies in your feces as your champions of the National Football League world. But, if you're a Steelers fan, you don't want to be seeing that. You don't want the Eagles to be talking junk on the Patriots. You don't want them to claim their Super Bowl championship. No, If it was New England, they'd be happy. They'd be celebrating. But they wouldn't be rubbing everyone's noses in it. The Patriots know what they're doing. They're going to win another one. The Eagles, maybe they won't. And then I bet you Lane Johnson never spouts off how much fun he's having again. That was the hottest take of the day. And that was the hottest take of the day, 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 day. Can I just say how much I love Adam Rippon? Can I just tell you? That guy's fabulous. Fabulous! I love him. I do. I do. He reminds me of my sister's best friend. The guy's made for TV. Made for TV. And the fact that he's rooting so hard for his friend who he's a roommate with, the one he got in and out burgers with on top of the roof, brought a twinkle to my eye. This guy has already cemented himself as one of the legends of the entire Olympic turn this time around. There's always a few Athletes who separate themselves, who are recognized, because the Olympics doesn't make you money unless you're successful, unless you've got a boisterous personality, unless you make yourself get noticed. And my rip-on dude, that guy's getting noticed. Um, I want to throw up. Um, I want to go over to the judges and say, can I just have a Xanax and a quick drink? I'll be fine. But um, I, ke- I kept it together, and I just took it one element at a time. And I said, you know what? I can do this. Quick drink. Xanax. That's basically what I do to get on a plane. Um, I want to throw up. Um, I want to go over to the judges and say, can I just have a Xanax? And a quick drink. I'll be fine. But um, I, ke- I kept it together, and I just took it one element at a time. And I said, you know what? I can do this. Endorsement's coming. Guy's going to be pushing Xanax in all of our rooms for years now. Pill pushing. It's time for other crap. Woo! Other crap. 
We touched on this earlier a little bit, but Esteban Loaiza, former Pittsburgh Pirate, former Wash, uh, pardon me, Chicago White Sox, was arrested with 44 pounds of drugs. Bunch of heroin, bunch of cocaine, 44 pounds of drugs. Typically, Major League Baseball players don't need a second job, but hey, he did play for the Pirates. He broke bad. He's Eisenberg. Didn't the Pirate Parrot at one point get busted for drugs? I wonder if he was pushing pills in the Pirates clubhouse. I wonder if he was getting all them buckos high. They sucked back then, right? Of course they did. It's a Pirate. Other crap. My fault. Other crap. Monday shows never seamless. I always have issues. I feel like I'm producing my own show. I'm joking, Tom. Oh, you turned my microphone. This is the second consecutive show I've had my microphone turned up by my producer. McGoughlin did it downstairs for Madden. He was turning me off and on, and he was taking my microphone off. Did you fill in for Madden last week? I did, Friday. Wow. I know. I'm a big shot. Nice. Big star. I was heard by over a dozen people on Friday. It was great. Really good for my career. Or bad. Because then people realize you're phony. The hell was I talking about before that? Still drugs? I don't think so. Filling in for Madden? Turning my microphone on and off? Why'd you turn my microphone off the first time? Oh, apparently, Randy Bauman's not being nice to Joe. And if that's a real issue, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to beat the Bauman right out of that, Randy. Crawford would kick my ass long before I could do anything to Bauman. Be nice to Joe. I actually don't know if that's true. I just assume that they're being mean to Joe. And I hope that they are, in fact, so that we can get Joe back. Other crap. Woo! Other crap. Johnny Manziel said that he's bipolar and ready for a comeback. I probably would have released the bipolar thing a little while ago and then said, you're ready for the comeback. That's not typically something that you find in one sentence. Guys, I would love for you to hire me. I'm bipolar. I would love for you to allow me to be your quarterback. I'm bipolar. Now, I'm not going to make light of the fact that Johnny Manziel does have bipolar disorder because I have people in my family who have dealt with it, and my God, is it a bitch. And it's awful, and I have anxiety that is at times crippling, and at times I'm almost agoraphobic. So I understand mental health effing with you. But Manziel being like, yo, I'm bipolar and ready to come back? Probably not the way I would phrase it. I battled through my mental issues. I'm ready to rock. But hey, who am I? I can't throw a football. Woo! Other crap. Pitt basketball played in front of... Shut up, Joe. Seemingly 500 people in a 30-point loss. 34, in fact, against Louisville. They are worse than I even thought. I thought that they'd struggle to win a conference game this year, but I thought they'd get better, and they just haven't. Tomorrow on the show, 
Jason Mackey from 5 o'clock until 6. I've reached out to Will Graves from the Associated Press. He is in Korea covering M Olympics. And I'm trying to get him on the show. We'll see if that happens. But we do have Mackey from 5 o'clock until 6. I'll also tell you what a catch should be in the National Football League. I fixed the league's problems. All of them. I fixed every problem with one little revision of the rules. That's right. Now they just need to hire me. Please hire me. Please. I have crippling anxiety. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock until 7. Get me the hell out of here. Get up and join 970 Saturday mornings at 9 for Penn's Week. It's an inside look at the Pittsburgh Penguins that takes you behind the scenes and gives you the inside story on the Penguins. Listen, we got a good hockey team here, and, you know, we, we have people that we know we can win with. It's Penn's Week, Saturday mornings at 9. Oh, I just want to see Kale sliding sideways in Sausalito. Exclusively on your home of the Penguins, ESPN Pittsburgh at 970 a.m. and now at 106.3 FM.